If you're going to possess the promised land of God for your life and family, you are going to need faith. It's going to require faith just to get through next week. Things are going to come up. They're going to challenge your faith. It's going to require faith to get through the summer. And guess what? It's going to require faith to be standing at the end of the year. It's going to require faith for you to keep your Christian walk for the rest of your life. It's going to require faith for any goal that you set out before God. You're going to have to believe God. You see, friends, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what God exchanges miracles on. If you want a miracle, it's going to take faith. Without faith, it is impossible, the Bible says, to please God. God bless you, my friends. This is Pastor Isaac de los Santos. Delighted that you have joined me today for a message from the Word of God. Today we will be discussing the topic of faith as we go to the book of Joshua and learn from the life of Rahab the power and importance of faith. Stay tuned at the end of the message for a few more announcements. So as we continue our sermon series, I want to bring your attention to the words of a pagan woman, a Gentile named Rahab. She was a sinner. The Bible says she was a harlot. She had a bad, bad past. She was a Canaanite in the city of Jericho. She served other gods. And yet she had faith in the Lord God of Israel. And these are her words. I know that the Lord has given you the land. And that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God is a God in heaven and above and on the earth beneath. Now therefore please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with your father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for your life. For if you do not tell this business of ours, it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly with you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word this morning, for it is the life-giving bread. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach and to serve the word of God. I pray as well that you would anoint the hearts of us as a congregation and every person listening. That as we hear the word, we might receive it in faith and put it to work. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to use for a subject this morning the scarlet thread of redemption. There runs through the entirety of the scriptures a single theme that binds all 66 books of the Bible together. 
From Genesis to Revelation, God has woven into the fabric of the scriptures a remarkable scarlet thread. We call it the scarlet thread because of who it represents. This scarlet thread reminds us that there is a purpose in God's dealings with man. And it is a thread that flows all throughout and I have a Uh, discovered in uh, my study of the scriptures that this thread can be found in just about any verse of the Bible. It is that outstanding picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Genesis, he was Abel's lamb. He was Abraham's sacrificial son. As we go through the book of Exodus, we see him and he is the altar and the the brazen laver and he is the ark of the covenant. As you read through the scriptures, you will find that he is Noah's ark and Moses' tabernacle. That Christ is Joshua's captain and Ruth's redeemer. You will discover that he is David's sling and stone and Solomon's wisdom. He is Elijah's fire from heaven and he is Elisha's floating axe head. He is the joy of Nehemiah. In the books of the law, Christ is the law giver and creator. In the historical books, he is the judge and king of Israel. In the books of wisdom, he is the wisdom and the knowledge of God. In the books of prophecy, he is the prophet of God sent with the word of the Lord. In the gospels, we see him as the word which was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the book of Acts, we see him as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. In the epistles and the letters, we find Christ as the pastor and shepherd to pastors and shepherds. And in the book of Revelation, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords whose whose return we await expectingly as the body of Christ. Does anybody know who I'm talking about this morning? He is the centerpiece of the Bible. He is the centerpiece of world history. By his life, we mark before Christ and the year of our Lord, the years after Christ. His life and his ministry are the centerpiece of Christian ministry and the church to this day. He is the Lord and senior pastor of Kingsway Church, if you didn't know that by now. Jesus Christ is the Lord and pastor of Kingsway Church. And he must ever be the centerpiece of our lives. The scarlet thread has three major chords. One of the chords is the the prophecies of the Old Testament announcing the coming Messiah. Another one of the chords are the symbols and types in the Old Testament that represent his cross and his blood. The third part of the course is that bloodline that flowed through the Jewish family in order to bring us a Messiah fit for our salvation. And when we read the story of Ahab, we see all three strands of this thread come neatly together in one story. For you see, if I can abbreviate this morning, the scarlet thread runs through this story because Rahab will become a member of the family tree of the Messiah. I can hear some of you gasp. 
Wait a minute, pastor. You just said she was a sinner, a pagan, a Canaanite, a harlot. And she's going to be in the family tree of the Messiah? Well, see, friends, her life was not only part of the bloodline of the Messiah, but it was also a prophecy that one day the Gentiles would be grafted in to the family tree of the Almighty God. That she was a reminder to us that even the pagan Gentile nations, uh, that's you and I if you don't know that, that we could be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad about it this morning? He came to his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the right, the power, the privilege to be called the sons of God. Then we see that Rahab is a symbol. For she was given a very particular instruction which tells us about the saving grace of God. I want to speak to you from her life for just a moment. For you see, the Bible tells us that Joshua sent two spies into the promised land. Now I want you Bible students out there to note the contrast. When Moses 40 years ago sent spies into the land, he sent 12 spies. How many? 12 spies. 10 of them came back and said, no way, Jose, can't be done. We cannot possess this land. There are giants in that land. There are fortified cities in that land. They have, uh, they have weapons in that land. We cannot take the land. Two of them said, yes, we can. We are able to go up and take the country. You say, Pastor, why do you tell us that every Sunday in this series? Because there's still two kinds of people in the church. There's those who say, no way, Jose. And there's those who say, if God be with us, then who can be against us? and they put their faith and their confidence in God. Which group are you in this morning, Kingsway Church? I hope you're in my group because I've decided to stand with God. I've decided to believe His Word. And so Joshua sent in two spies. Note the contrast. Twelve spies went for Moses. Two spies went for Joshua. The twelve spies took 40 days. They scouted out the land. Every hillside, every mountainside, the rivers, the creeks, the fields, the vineyards, they scouted it all out. They tasted the fruit of that land. They were in, in awe of what God had made and what God would provide for them. But they could not believe God. These two spies, in contrast, they did not go to all of the land. They went to only one city, the city of Jericho. This is remarkable to me because it tells me that the other spies saw everything and believed nothing. These guys saw very little and they believed everything. That is the exact definition of faith. They saw everything but could not believe God. These two spies had enough faith to say, if God can give us one city, God can give us all the cities. If God can give us one victory, God can give us all the victories. If God can give us one miracle, God can give us all the miracles. Come on, Kingsway. If God can do it one time, God can do it all over again. If God can leave you in awe once, he can leave you in awe again. He can outdo himself. I have a God. I preach a God. You serve a God who can outdo himself. And so they knew if God can give us Jericho, God can give us the land. 
So I need you to think that way from now on. As you think about how am I going to break the boundaries that are keeping me out of the promises of God? How am I going to possess the land uh, that God has promised me and my family? I want you to think that way every time you face a challenge and say, if God did it once, God can do it again. If he healed me once, he can heal me again. He paid the bills last month. He can pay the bills again this month. If he's supplied once, he can supply again. This was the faith of these men And this was the great contrast But then the Bible says That when they went into Jericho The city heard that they were there And they shut the wall They shut the gates of the city Trying to trap them in And so this woman Rahab By the providence of God She provides them a hiding place On the roof of her house And when the night had fallen She went up to the rooftop And she said Psst As they were hiding, you can imagine the whispering. Yeah, what? She said, we have heard about the God of Israel. This is a pagan. This is a Canaanite, idol worshiping, outside of the covenants of Israel, outside of the promises of God, never heard the Ten Commandments. Never heard the Lord's Prayer. Never read this 23rd Psalm. Completely outside of the covenants of Israel. Is there anybody in here who one day was outside of the covenants of Israel? You didn't know the first thing. But then one day, faith came into your heart. She said, we have heard about the God of Israel. And you know, when you read this passage carefully, you find out that 40 years ago, she had heard about the parting of the Red Sea. All of Jericho had heard. In fact, all of the promised land had heard. The Canaanites heard that God had delivered Israel out of Egypt and had given them the parting of the Red Sea and brought them into the desert and that they were going, they were coming to cross the Jordan and come into the promised land. And the Bible said that when the Canaanites heard this, their heart melted within them and they lost all courage because they knew that the God of Israel would surely do this thing. Now I want you to notice this, that while the pagan Canaanites are getting ready for God to do what he promised, the Israelites are over there in the wilderness saying, no way, Jose. Can't be done. There's still those two kinds of people in the world today. And I have discovered that often the stranger believes better than the citizen. That ought not be true, but it's true. Many times the outsider believes more than the insider. Sometimes you've been been getting too comfortable in church, you turn off your faith switch. And somebody from the outside hears the gospel and they believe with their whole heart. The scripture says that a centurion came to Jesus. He was a Roman. He said to Jesus, Lord, my my servant is dying. And Jesus said, take me to him. He said, no, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. But I am a man like you. I have authority like you do. And because you're a man of authority and I'm a man of authority, then I understand this. If you just give your word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus gave the word. And then Jesus said, there's not as much faith in all of Israel as this one Roman centurion. 
Scripture tells us, Jesus speaking, he said, in the days of the prophet Elijah, there were many widows, but it was a foreigner who God chose to provide for his prophet. In the days of Elisha, there were many lepers, but it was a foreign Syrian named Naaman that God chose to heal. Why? Because there was faith there. You see, friend, you can be in the family and have no faith, but if you have faith, you can become a part of the family of God. Faith is what saves. It's faith that delivers because faith pleases God. Scripture tells us of a Syrophoenician woman. Her daughter was grossly possessed by the devil. She came to Jesus and she said to him, Lord, heal my daughter. And Jesus ignored her the first time. She continued calling out, Lord, heal my daughter. And then he said to her, should I give the bread of the, of the children to the dogs? She was, he was saying, should I give the Jewish bread to the Gentiles? Because the Gentiles were called dogs in that day. And she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She was saying, Lord, if you can just give me a little bit, that'll be enough. But I want to tell you something today. You and I are not Gentiles. We're not strangers any longer. We have been adopted into the family of God. We have been brought in to sit at the table of our Lord. She heard. This is the first lesson we learned from her is that the act which she was about to take was an act of faith. She was going to have to act in faith. Say faith. faith. She was going to have to believe God. They told her, look, when we come into the land to possess this city, if you and your family want to be delivered from the, from the judgment of God on Jericho, then hang this scarlet rope, this scarlet cord out of the window of your house. There was nothing in the rope that signified strength or defense. Nothing in that rope announced that there was going to be shelter for her in the middle of a threatening storm. It was simply an act of faith. She could find no relief in the rope, but the rope was an act of faith. It was a symbol that she had believed the message, that she had believed God. Can I tell you, church, that God is not looking for someone to inform him. God is not looking for someone to support him. God is not looking for someone to encourage him. God is not looking for someone to help him. God is looking for someone who will believe him. Someone who will put their faith in him and trust him without doubt. Someone who will trust him implicitly and entirely. You are going to need faith. If you're going to possess the promised land of God for your life and family, you are going to need faith. It's going to require faith just to get through next week. Things are going to come up. They're going to challenge your faith. It's going to require faith to get through the summer. And guess what? It's going to require faith to be standing at the end of the year. It's going to require faith for you to keep your Christian walk for the rest of your life. It's going to require faith for any goal that you set out before God. You're going to have to believe God. You see, friends, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what God exchanges miracles on. If you want a miracle, it's going to take faith. Without faith, it is impossible, the Bible says, to please God. 
Rahab was going to demonstrate to Israel that she had the capacity to believe God. And she had the capacity to say, I will trust even in the smallest thing if God says it. I will put my confidence in that. You see, that scarlet throat reminds us of the blood of Jesus. It tells us about the cross. It reminds us that when we look at the cross, it doesn't look like strength. It looks like weakness. It doesn't look like hope. It looks like hopelessness. It doesn't look like redemption. It looks like wreckage and ruin. But yet it is the foolishness of the message of the cross that has been saving sinners for the last um, two millennia and will continue to save all those who call upon God through Jesus Christ. Uh, The cross is a sign of weakness to some. But you and I are on the inside and we know that the cross is a tower of refuge for those who need a place to hide. The cross is a place of defense against the wilds of the enemy. The cross is the fortress of defense against the very power of hell itself. Have you been to the cross? You had to go to the cross by faith. He said, Pastor, how does faith come? How do I get faith? The kind of faith that you're talking about. Well, first of all, we read here in the scriptures that Paul said to Timothy, faith. He said, Timothy, you have a faith that has been passed down to you from your mother and your grandmother. That's the first kind of faith, the kind of faith that gets passed down to us. Most of us uh, grew up with some kind of uh, training in, in Sunday school or catechism, something that gave you a faith that somebody transmitted to you the word of God. Maybe you're new to the, to the faith and you're just getting started. But you have been receiving teaching and instruction. And that's faith that has been transmitted from somebody else. But there comes a day when that kind of faith is not enough. You have to have the kind of faith that comes out of your heart. You can't live on somebody else's faith. You can't live on somebody else's conviction of what is right and wrong. You need to make up in your mind that you believe God. And so there's that second kind of faith. Where the Bible says that God has given to every man a certain measure of faith. Every single person in this room has been given a measure of faith. Say that with me. I have a measure of faith. That means that anything that God has called you to do, He's already measured out to you the amount of faith needed to get it done. Well, I don't feel that way, Pastor. Well, that's what God's Word says. I have a measure of faith. And I consider God to be so just and faithful that He wouldn't give me less faith than it was going to require for me to be able to please Him, to be able to honor Him. So He has given to me that internal kind of faith. You know, the Bible tells us about Jacob. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham father of the faith he was the son of Isaac the continuance of the faith but Jacob had transferred faith he didn't have his own faith then one day the Bible says that at Bethel he had an encounter with God face to face he came to know God for himself and now he could say you are the God of Abraham you are the God of Jacob of Isaac and you are also my God you are my God I have faith in you for myself it's not faith depending on somebody else you know why sometimes people get into trouble especially young people any young people in here I thought everybody was going to raise their hand sometimes young people get into trouble because they travel in packs 
faith packs. At church, it's a faith pack. As long as everybody's worshiping, I'll worship. If everybody's praying, I'll pray. If everyone's reading their Bible, I'll read my Bible. If everyone's going to youth camp, I'll go to youth camp. If everyone's sitting in church and taking notes, I'll sit in church and take notes. But if I'm the only one do it, forget it. If everybody is, is messing around, I'll mess around. If everybody is, is, uh, is uh, uh, cutting out on God, I'll cut out too. And see, friend, there comes a day when you take that step out of somebody else's faith and you walk into your own faith and you say, if nobody else prays, I'll pray. If nobody else believes, I'll believe. If nobody else will study the scriptures, I'll study the scripture if none go with me still I will follow is there any kind of faith like that in the house of God this morning that kind of go it alone faith do you have go it alone faith I started out with a bunch I ended up with few but I'll keep going even if I'm alone they may not have heard from God but I have heard from God he may not have done anything for them, but he's done something for me. And that's the kind of faith that starts to move the boundaries in your life. Thirdly, faith comes by hearing. The scripture says faith comes by hearing. By hearing what? The word of God. That's a good church. It doesn't say faith comes by gossip. Faith comes through rumors. Faith comes through a newscast. Faith comes through the newspaper. No, faith comes by hearing the word of God. How many of you have a promised land you still haven't conquered yet? I'm preaching the wrong series here. I, I guess I missed the wrong, the congregation. How many of you have a promised land you still haven't conquered yet? Well, I'm here to tell you, you're going to need some faith to conquer that promised land. And faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. You need to get around people that are going to tell you what God has said. You need to get in the house of God and hear the word of God proclaimed. Faith has a different perspective. Faith says, give me around some people that believe. Give me around some people that know what God can do, will do, and has done. Give me around some people that say, even if every job is gone, God will provide manna from heaven if he must. But God will make a way where there is no way. Is there any faith in the house of God this morning? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Why does the enemy not fight you when you go to the movies? Why doesn't the enemy fight you when you go to hang out with your friends? Why is it it's when you come into the house of God that you can't find your keys? Your kids can't find their shoe. You can't find matching socks. You forgot to iron your shirt. You have a bad mood. Why is it the enemy fights you because he's fighting the word because he knows if that word gets in here that he's going to have a hard time getting you down that week that he's going to have a hard time defeating you come on somebody you've got to make up your mind if I'm going to go anywhere I'm going to go to the house of God and I'm going to hear the word of almighty God
that is all the time we have for today, but I pray that this message has been an encouragement to your heart, and I would like to invite you to find me on the World Wide Web by searching IsaacDeLosSantos.com. Once again, that's IsaacDeLosSantos.com. Or perhaps you would like to find us on Facebook. You may do so as well. If you would like to write to us, you can write to us at Pastor Isaac De Los Santos, P.O. Box 126, Kennedy, Texas, 78119. And if you're ever in the South Texas region, we invite you to Kingsway Church in Beeville, Texas, where we proclaim the Word of God with accuracy, excellence, and without compromise. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace.